Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. Doug, what episode is this? Do we know 225 or something? <laughs> Not quite <laughs> Not that far. 206, <laughs> I think. Okay, good. Uh so we're six episodes past our two hundred. We're gonna be doing a we're gonna do a party next week, right? We promised the party back in like episode one ninety eight or something. <laughs> right. Didn't, I don't, didn't, know, if we pro- I don't know if we promised it. I think we I think we just talked about doing one among <laughs> ourselves. Uh but we are gonna do one. I don't know if party's the right word. It's 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 it'd be the if it was compared Blowout? to other parties Kegger? it'd be pretty lame. I mean, yeah. It'll it'll we'll we'll celebrate so I guess we're celebrating. That's what it'll be. <laughs> Uh, which which would be which basically what that means is we're not gonna have any actual content that is new and interesting. We'll just be talking about fun stuff. Is that how fair? Cool we are. Yeah, how cool we are. How how cool our listeners are. Yeah, how cool our our listeners. How cool this community that's come from the podcast is. Yes, but we doing it with party hats on. Yeah, and oh yeah, noisemakers certainly. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that, uh, that's, that's coming, coming next up. week. Yeah. That's going to be next week, even though that'll be episode 207, but we'll, no reason we can't can't celebrate two months later, whatever we are. <laughs> but this is 206, <laughs> and this is two weeks and two new interviews. Oh, is that right? Yeah, two. that's right. And someone told me on Twitter, they reached out and said uh, that this that this was that last episode with the interview with uh, Aaron and Jackson was our, they've been listening for years, and this was our single best episode ever. Wow. I know. I was quite surprised with that because I, I did think it turned out really well. But like we said in the intro, it, it felt like it started out a little bit shaky and uh, got on track. But uh, yeah, I agree. It was actually a really good. It was a nice, stimulating conversation. I, I enjoyed having those conversations around around the vegan movement. Yeah. And shout out to Aaron and Jackson and Thought for Food for that's right. part of that best episode ever. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Uh, but maybe this one will be even better because this time we have Sid Garza Hillman, who is a longtime friend of the show, a longtime friend of uh, each of us personally as well. And uh, he is he's doing the rounds to promote his new book, which is called Raising Healthy Parents. And uh, it is it's Sid's take on parenting, which I think is is really cool. That it's cool that he wrote that. He has a lot of ideas. He doesn't just do the uh, the normal track, right? He doesn't doesn't just keep churning out nutrition books. There's a certainly a big nutrition component to this one. Um, but he's told me about some ideas for other books he has, and I, I like that he's like he's a nutritionist, but he's not just not just writing more how to how to thrive as a as a vegan. Right. So I think that's cool. So I like that he that he goes outside the box into that. Um, he's an he outside that, the box kind of guy. In he most way. definitely is. Yep, wears a yeah. cowboy hat, does all his crazy uh, all the stuff that we like to make fun of him for, <laughs> rebounding, grounding sheets, uh, among lots of other really you know, science-based things. And he will argue that these are science-based. So, and I think that's cool. He brings in new stuff that uh, is not traditional. And, and I like that. So that's why we both like his stuff. He's also a big time small steps advocate. In fact, he's, he is the small steps advocate. Uh, I haven't seen him using that, that moniker recently, but he, he used to call himself that. And what else? I, I don't know. That's it. People knows it, right? Just a great People guy. Listen. Everybody. Everybody. He's an all, he's all around. Great, great guy. Yes. One of the best. So anyway, um, so it was good to to uh, get his book. My wife actually started reading it yesterday after we got our hands on a physical copy. Awesome. And oh, and I wrote the forward for it, which uh, which you've mentioned a few times here. But uh, I am I am honored to have been 
asked to do that, and uh, and it was it's fun to contribute to a, to a book like that. Yeah. So anyway, that's coming. Um, before we get to that, though, Doug, we've got the, a somewhat of a major announcement. Probably the biggest announcement. <laughs> the biggest, <laughs> the biggest <laughs> announcement we've ever done on the history of the show. Yeah, easily. <laughs> I, that might. Okay, I don't know if that's easily, but it it some could argue that it's a good one. Um, <laughs> what it is is so it begins with we're not going to do ads for a while, maybe maybe forever, right? We, That's the we, hope. We would love to never run another ad on New Media Athlete Radio. Yes, and I and I don't I don't hate ads. I'm not anti-commercial. Uh, they they've been great in helping us, giving us reason to really put a lot of effort into this podcast. And and really, I mean, I guess some could argue that we don't put a lot of effort into this podcast, but we put it out every single week, and we we you know, and every now and then we'll do a replay. But for the most part, we're pretty consistent with this, this thing. And uh, I, I am happy with the content that we put out each week. So anyway, they have uh, they have kept that going. They've made made us get better at this podcasting thing, and we've relied on them for I think it's probably been about two and a half years now, Doug, since we first ran a, a Kalo ad back yeah. in back in my old house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, it, it's not that they're bad. I think I think they do a lot of good things to keep this thing free. Um, but it also feels like it's kind of. They, I don't know. They just don't feel like the great fit for our audience. I, Nomad Athlete has always kind of been something that that uh, you know supports itself in many ways, and that means relying on on readers, audience, listeners uh, for support, buying Nomad Athlete products and stuff like that. Uh, and I like that. I like that that kind of holistic, wholesome feel. It just I don't know. I like not relying on advertisers, right? Of course, that's, there's a lot of good things about that. Um, so we're gonna do away with that for a little while, and I just think it's I think it's a fun move because i i like the community we started to develop here i like i don't know we you know we get a lot of uh of of tweets and never every now and then we will ask people to make a, a meme with which people do um <laughs> or theme songs but it, yeah theme songs salute your shorts style um so anyway it is a fun community i'm enjoying that aspect of it and that that to me is has kind of become my favorite part of this podcast and honestly this podcast like the nomad athlete running groups has become I don't know. One one of the most feel good things about the brand for me, I just it just it just feels fun, right? It feels like it, we are among friends when we are doing this thing. Even if it's just me and you talking, uh, we have guests on who often are friends, like Sid. Uh, but it just feels like we're talking to friends, and I like that, and it's cool. So, um, what we want to do is is a new thing. We're not the first ones to do it for sure, but it's the first time we've done something like this, and that is to take that whole friend hangout vibe to the next level. Uh, while replacing the ad revenue that keeps this podcast going. Uh, and what we're doing is something called No Meat Athlete Tribe. And uh, I guess that's sort of what it sounds like. Right? We, we named it well, I think. It's it's kind of a next level sort of like way to interact with us and other podcast listeners uh, and just be, be a, a bigger part, I guess, of this little tight-knit community that we are building here at No Meat Athlete. Um, and so what you're going to get when you when you – do that should you decide to become a member of Nomad Athlete Tribe is uh, first and foremost a, a monthly hangout with me and Doug. Um, we do Q and A sessions and things like that in our academy, and this is this is not entirely different from that, but it's also uh, it's not the same as that. I think I feel like so as Sid and I talked about in in this interview that we did yesterday with him, um, you know we don't really we don't usually crack beers open during our Q and A sessions just because I feel like that's kind of like showing up to work drinking a beer. 
right? And like, even if your boss also drinks beer, you typically wouldn't show up to the work with with the beer. <laughs> um, so that's why we don't do it, and especially when we're when we're dispensing health advice and just I don't know. I don't think it looks good to both be slugging beers. Um, right. But but this is going to be more fun than that. This is this is we're, that's why we're saying hangouts. I guess that's a Google term. We used to use Google Hangouts for this, and now Google Hangouts is gone. Um, but anyway, it it will be. I I hope we will have it. It will be a fun kind of literally feeling like hanging out with friends. Uh, of course, we will be available to answer questions, and I'm sure that's what we will end up doing a lot of the time with. Um, but my hope is that it's more than that. My hope is that people will will be just chatting it up and jokes and whatever else. I hope other people will crack beers with us if they drink beers, uh, and if they don't, then crack waters. Like that's that's cool too. I right? not not going to be a drinking show. It's just it's just <laughs> no, definitely not a drinking show. <laughs> it's just a, a a useful uh I don't know. I think we're harping too much on on the beer here. On the beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, but but this the the idea is that we can all get together as a community and spend time together, get to know each other and hang out. Um, and in, in a more informal setting, but also to answer questions and, and have start some discussions and do things like what we do on the podcast, but just extend it into this kind of less formal, more interactive setting, right? Yes. Like it much better, Doug, than harping on the beer. And <laughs> the first one actually is going to be uh, pretty soon, like two weeks or so from when this episode comes out. It'll be with Sid as our guest. I don't know if we'll have a guest every time, but uh, if we did, you know, that, that would actually be kind of fun. So I'm not sure... Um, how often we'll have guests, but next one will be Sid. So that that will be. I'm just looking forward to that one itself. I think it's always a good time when we hang out with Sid. So with everyone else, we'll be even cooler. Yeah. So the hangouts are going to be awesome. Really excited for this first one with Sid. But beyond that, we wanted to introduce a few more things with Tribe. For starters, we have this awesome Facebook group where community members can interact with each other, can share support, accountability, can interact with anybody that's part of this Tribe community. Um, so that's going to be really cool. And then also there's this weekly newsletter where we are, we'll be sharing NMA approved recipes from around the web, five each week that follow some sort of theme, give more shout outs to community members, kind of introduce this whole idea that we are much bigger than just individual listeners listening to, uh, listening to Nomi Athlete Radio in their earbuds while they're running. This is a, this is a real tribe. This is a real community. And uh, we hope to really bring all these people together with what we're doing here. Yes, I like that, Doug. Antisocial as I may seem, uh, as I may, as I may, this character of mine may appear to be, uh, I actually really like that stuff. The, the Nomad Athlete Running Groups, which we've talked about in the past, uh, one of the coolest things I ever heard from them was the Oklahoma City group who I went and visited, and they were just one of our best uh, in that, only best because it was a thriving group in this area that you would not expect that a vegan group to thrive. Uh, they told me that, that, Many of them said they did not know any other vegans in their life until this group started, and now many of the people in the group were their best friends. And I thought that was just the coolest thing, and I hope that we can recreate that sort of stuff. In Still, it's going to be a virtual setting here, not a real running group, but who knows? Maybe it'll spawn real-life stuff, which would itself be very cool. Uh, and two final things that we are going to have in this tribe that uh, just I think will make it worthwhile are we're going to be doing content upgrades, which means about once a month for Nomad Athlete blog posts. Uh, we're going to provide something extra that goes a little bit deeper. A good example is our very last one that Pamela Ferguson and her uh, 
her intern Stephanie wrote uh, about protein. There, the, the content upgrade was a nice list of uh, lysine-rich foods, which is a particular amino acid that if many vegan nutrition experts agree that if you were getting enough lysine, then by default, you were almost certainly getting enough protein. So we put out a list of that, downloadable, 20 of them, just kind of taking the blog post further. So that kind of stuff will come along with it. And finally, this new thing that we are just starting called NMA Deals, which is uh, or Tribe Deals, I guess, which is where we are negotiating deals with some of our favorite brands and making those deals available to Tribe members, so that hopefully it totally becomes a no-brainer and uh, it's it's just you know worth it for your for your budget to be a member of Tribe uh, just for the savings, in addition to all the other stuff that we just mentioned that comes with it. Uh, so anyway, this this little program, this I guess you would call it a sort of listener support thing. Uh, it only costs $3 per month. It's like buying us a cup of coffee. I know that's everybody's favorite uh, analogy because we can all afford another cup of coffee, right, Doug? <laughs> that's right, yep. <laughs> uh, but honestly, it is a very, I, I think, a very low and fair um, price for all that good stuff. And uh, I, I actually would urge people not to think about, uh, about it as a price that you're paying for something uh, as much as the support thing because that really is what it's about. Um, we, we first and foremost here said we really would like to get rid of advertisements on the podcast uh, and by the way, we're not going to do an ad like this every single week <laughs> to, to pitch people on joining the tribe. Um, but anyway, we want to get rid of that. And uh, and the only way it's going to work is if is if this program works and if people do support it. So um, that's the hope. If you'd like to be a part of it, we would love to have you in the tribe. It's nomadathlete.com slash tribe. So please go there, check it out, and consider helping to support Nomad Athlete Radio. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks thanks for everyone for just listening to this episode and this whole entire podcast. And uh, we hope to see you inside. Cool. All right. With that, Doug, um, should we get to the episode with Sid? Yeah, let's jump right into it. Okay, let's do it. Hey, everyone. Matt and Doug here with Sid Garza-Hillman, author of the brand new book, Raising Healthy Parents. In addition to, of course, Approaching the Natural, which is one of my favorites ever. And Sid uh, is no stranger to the podcast. So, Sid, welcome back for episode, whatever you've been on. You've been on four of them now? Five? I don't actually know because there's a mixture of the Academy and the regular No Mean Athlete Radius. So, I don't know what the total number is. It's right. a lot, though. Plus, we do all the Q&A sessions. Yeah. Simple. So, it's, yeah. it's been a lot of... People should know Sid Garza. <laughs> I, know. I hope I so. think uh, at, 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 after the airing of this episode, you and Robert Cheek will be tied for the most... <laughs> is Robert in the lead right now? Yeah. Is See, Robert I, in the lead? I'm surprised about that. I, I know he's a lot. I didn't know he had done more than Sid. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> anyway, Sid, how's it going? Fine. I had a really bad joke go through my head just now, so I just giggled at that. But I'm all let's, good. Everything's let's fine. Let's hear it. Yeah, you gotta, it. yeah, you gotta say it now. My nickname in high school was Robert Cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't know. <laughs> That's a pretty bad joke. Doug does, though. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Anyway. So, and Robert's a great guy because I know him. Yes. So we uh, we all were together about, what, two weeks ago? It was so? like about, yeah, two, three weeks. No, it was probably three weeks ago. Yeah. I know that by the level of sadness in my house. It's not, it's not as low as it was. The level I of sadness know. is not as high. Our fun level was much higher than it was back then. I, uh, you well, were I here. We were so. gonna we were gonna do this in person with three of us and have a grand old time like we did last time. We talked about not showering and all that stuff. Um, but then my dog passed away, Linus, and that was very sad. So we ended up not doing it that day because you were only here for like twenty four hours anyway. Yeah. Um, but Sid and I recorded a great episode. You guys did. What'd you do? A trail talk? No, we did a, a trial uh, talk. 
<laughs> trial talk. No, we did a, a <laughs> episode it, of. Did I misspell of, it or something? <laughs> no, I just thought it'd be. Trial trial talk. No, it's no, a lawyer. It's a, a lawyer based <laughs> podcast. We, we did, did approaching a, um, the natural. We did an episode of approaching the natural. Doug mm. was the guest on my show, and it was a really good episode. I got some great feedback on that. That's right. I knew that because I listened to all the episodes about how that. we need to, uh, how you need to make sure you edit out kid noises. It was cute. Yeah, Liza was there, and she was, you know, she was sitting on the floor. She was sitting on our lap, like we were just moving the whole time. You know, we had a, entertaining her the whole time. She was great. That was a, That was an editing feat on my end. I mean, I must have done 10, 10 edits on that. On yeah, that because pocket, we had to, we had to keep stopping when she would just like blurt out noises anyway did you expect cute. that she wouldn't no we knew what we were it, getting into was, you know we we're talking about parenting and ah, i see good all right well we are talking about parenting today we have we've done a few parenting episodes for whatever reasons they've tended to be with female guests when we've done them um so this is different and uh this is this is good we're all three fathers now which is was not the case when this podcast began i don't think Certainly not. No, I don't know <laughs> no, if it was for me. I wasn't sure. <laughs> um, and you said to have a parenting book now, which is funny. We're talking to a parenting author. It's a, kind. Of, it's a hell. I mean, I sort of see it as a healthy families, but the but the premise, of course, is that it's. I, I'm arguing it, make it most mostly about the parents. So in a sense, it's a parenting, but it's not like here's how you parent your kids. It's more like here's how you take care of yourself so you can effectively parent. Essentially, so it's kind of right, which a, is good because parenting books, by and large, are really boring. Have you guys read parenting books? I, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've read a couple of them. I'm sure Sid did tons of research when he was. I actually did, and and I was out there. First of all, you always want to find out. You know, I had the idea of my book, and then I'm like, and then I want to go out and find out if anybody's already done it. You know, that's like the number one thing. So I bought a bunch of parenting books and was looking through them and realized nobody had really taken the same tack that I had. But also in that way, and this is not a knock really because the information's so good, but they're they're what you expect them to be. They're sort of dry and, and really, you know, technical in a way. And here's how you communicate this. And here's how you say this. Um, and so I knew already that I didn't, wasn't going to do that. I mean, that was my plan. It was just to make it more like approaching the natural in a way that just fun and accessible and really easy to read. And, and, and then I started thinking like as a parent, as busy as I know Lisa and I are, and you guys are too, the last thing I really have time for is to sit down and read, you know, an arduous, parenting book on top of that too so i really wanted to make it something people could just pick up right and it is it definitely has a much different feel uh it's it's kind of like a seth godin book is the way i think of it because it, it's not really divided into discrete chapters it's kind of all all two chapters right it's <laughs> just broken up into little tiny sections within chapters yeah it's kind of it, as i was so the first proposal i pitched to the publisher was a cha- a pretty standard chapter book and um, and, and so they said, yeah, that's great. And, and so let's do it. So we did the contract, the whole thing. Then, um, they said, we want you to come down and meet with the managing editor and us and kind of flush this out. And by that time I had already realized I did not want to write a chapter book. And so I went in the, basically in the office and said, look, that proposal I'm pitching to you guys now is I, I want to chuck that whole thing and I want to do it completely different and, and not have it be chapters and really have it be something that is cut up and sectioned off so that it really is something you can pick up, read a few pages, put down, come back to again, um, funny and light and everything else, but then the, but a bit of dealing with obviously a very serious matter. So I think I, I think I achieved that balance pretty well. Um, but to their credit, uh, especially the managing editor, she's like, Oh, that's awesome. And she actually came up with, she goes, why don't we have a philosophy section and a reality section? And I was like, Oh my God, that's incredible. So I, I just took that right away. Like she got it perfectly. And around that time that I was 
getting stressed about the idea of the chapter book because it just didn't feel good. I was reading um, this book called The War of Art, not The Art of War, but The War of Art. And it was the right time for me to read that kind of book because it was also really, um, there's like no rules around the way the book was laid out. And I really dug that. And so I just decided to just kind of do my own version of that type of thing. Doug and I are both Stephen Pressfield fans, Sid. Oh, so uh, then you know. We know The War of Art, although we, I think we both prefer Turning Pro. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so if you haven't read that one, you should. You I should haven't. I, I've read um, "Do the Work" though. Yes, and that's I, that is kind of like turning. Which I really like. Yeah, and so as I was continuing the conversation with the managing editor, I said, "You know, you should check out the War of Art." And two days later, she's like, "You know, I don't know, like which one? There's hundreds." I go, "There's not hundreds." She goes, "Yeah, I mean, Art of War." It's like it, I go, "No, no, 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 no." War of Art. <laughs> so she'd just been Googling, like, which one is he talking about? Art of War. Oh, my God. Anyway, so we worked through that. And and you kind of, it has sort of like a like a punk rock feel. Is that is that fair to say that? With the grungy sort of textures and the, yeah, it's, it's I don't know, sort of pictures, backgrounds? Sort, sort of a mix between a punk rock kind of thing and like a almost like a comic book kind of thing. So they, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they did the, the design and I really sure. liked it. But I will say that when I first talked to the, the publicist, I did say it's kind of like a punk rock parenting book, and and that's not overt in in terms of if you read the book, it's not going to say anything about punk rock. But that's kind of how I see it because I see this parent this new model of parenting emerging in a way, and and it's um, I don't know, I don't want to say subversive, but it's different than it's been. It's it's there's the, the idea of a traditional parent is really falling by the wayside. It's not even applicable really, and so I kind of like to I wanted to really explore what that meant, and and then in the context of health. Obviously, because we're all in that world and say like, well, what is the relationship there too? And I see it obviously as intimately related that the success of a family is is hinged on the success of, of our, the health of, of our families. And so that was anyway, that's the argument I made. So, I mean, I, I think we kind of need to address the elephant in the room, which is that you're this nutritionist guy and you kind of hinted on a little bit there, but you're this nutritionist guy, small steppers, you know, what makes you qualified to write a parenting book? Right. So, so that's why I said in the beginning, like, it's really not a parent. It's not a, um, here's how you communicate with your child to get them to do their homework. So I want to be very clear, like, this is not a parenting. It's really not a parenting book. It is a healthy families book. And the argument I'm making in the book is, is it's a it's basically a philosophy book above all else. And all I'm saying is, is if you want to be a successful parent in whatever method you subscribe to whatever method maybe you read a parenting book and you you talk to your kid this way about this and this is the techniques you use to get them to do their homework that's not my bag that's not my thing at all all i'm saying is the success of you as a parent is dependent on your ability to act in a way that is in line with who you are as a parent and so if you look at the stress of the modern world and it's becoming it's we're more stressed than ever and, and we're not I don't see that going away anytime soon. And <clears throat> when we do have moments to ourselves, it's usually we're on our phones or we're, you know, distracted in some way. We don't we aren't taking moments to think and sort of ground and connect with who we are as parents. So this book says not only is it essential to 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 treat to learn how to treat yourself well as a as a parent. But that when you're in that state of mind, you can actually effectively parent in however you want to parent. But you got to take time for yourself. Don't let yourself get put on the back burner because now you got to spend all your time and energy focusing on your children. So this is just like a, that's why it's called raising healthy parents. It's like raise yourself. Get into who you are. Know who you are. Know what your, your ideals are as a parent. 
and then craft a life that you can steal moments for yourself to enable you to be that person more often. So we don't, you know, lose our temper as much with our children. So we're not as, you know, irritable with our children, like minimizing those times because you can have all the greatest techniques in the world. But if you're a stressed, fatigued person all the time, you're not going to parent the way that you want to parent. So we have talked to, I don't think on any sort of podcast, but, uh, you and I have just talked about this idea. There's this there's this parenting adage that that says put your own oxygen mask on first, and of course that is that is metaphorical, making a joke about the airplane thing, but saying that that you know, in order to be a good parent, you kind of need to take care of yourself first. Um, but we've talked about how that's not that's sort of uh, I don't know maybe, maybe a short sighted version of what I think you're doing. So can you talk about what the what, like what would you say is, is the difference between the the whole book that you just wrote uh, and that single piece of advice? Well, my book goes a little farther, which is it, it is essentially to say um, you do have to take care of yourself first if, if before you can take care of your child, and that is the reason. I, of course, I grew up in a, my dad was a pilot for <laughs> twenty seven years with Continental Airlines, so th- you know there, there's a very real reason why you the adult should put their mask on first before their child be, before the child because if the adult loses auction they're the ones in control in theory and and they you have to rely on them first and that is that idea um i took it one step further to say not only do you need to put yours on first to make sure you're able to to you know protect your children and care for them but i also argue that you set a better example when you take care of yourself first. And that's a weird, uncomfortable thing for people, and especially as parents. But as I've done this for now for a while and worked with many families and parents of families, oftentimes I am finding parents like, oh, I want my spouse to eat better. I want my children to eat better. But they're not taking care of themselves. And I'm saying the example you said is not the only factor, but is the first and foremost factor in your success in, in the family life is, and even as a spouse too, is, how well you take care of yourself not only is it enable you to you know to 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 you know communicate your message to your children but it also sets an example for your children to see and so that's where i kind of took a left turn off the off the mask question right and your your version of taking care of yourself uh i suspect to many people would appear harder than taking care of yourself in a more traditional way right so like if if the traditional approach to taking care of yourself is make sure you still have time with friends or make sure you carve out 30 minutes at the end of the day so you can watch your Netflix show, the advice you're giving and saying that here's how you set a good example and take care of yourself so that you have the energy and the mindset to be a really great parent, be the your own best version of a parent, um, that itself takes work, right? So the taking care of yourself, you actually have to kind of have the discipline to do that or or take the small steps or whatever necessary to kind of uh, get to the point where, where this does feel like taking care of yourself and it's not uh, a difficult thing to do. Yeah, for sure. And I will, I will say, I mean, it, I'm n- I never tried to sell somebody on a struggle free. It's like, I always go to, you know, to maintain a healthy marriage and a successful marriage takes work. I mean, it, you cannot get around that. I've never met somebody who's like, Oh yeah, my wife and I, we just phone in our marriage. It's perfect all the time. It takes effort. And with the reason why it takes effort is because it is complicated and it's meaningful and it's fulfilling, but you have to be engaged in the marriage to continue to make it successful. And you cannot expect this weird idea of perfection that you never fight or whatever that is. I, have you ever met somebody who goes like, oh, my, my spouse and I never fight. I'm always, I'm always so suspicious of that. I think that's the most ridiculous thing to be. I'm always like, then you're not talking or you're not communicating or you never see each other because I can't imagine <laughs> a couple not getting arguments 
who are, you know, living together, sharing space and having to deal with the stresses of the modern world. Again, so I just sort of extrapolated that and said, okay, now in the context of the family, a successful family is going to be dependent on work and engagement. And it is hard. I think my small steps approach minimizes that difficulty and minimizes that struggle, but it doesn't remove it. And so it is harder than coming home and cracking some beers and watching a movie. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm also not saying that you can't crack some beers and watch a movie. I'm saying little steps of inroads before you turn on the movie, some a couple deep breaths or you know, moving your family's uh, food into a healthier realm over time in the way that I explain that sort of small steps idea so that it's not overnight. It doesn't stress people out. It doesn't make your children hate you and doesn't cause a whole bunch of upset in the house. So I, I, I think I've done a good job at minimizing that struggle, but I'm not ever, I'm not even trying to remove the struggle. I just think that's a necessary part of the picture. Yeah. So one thing that I see a lot from parents, I have friends that are like this and, and, you know, I think that it's very easy for myself and all parents to kind of fall into this where when you have a new kid or when you have a kid in general, um, it, they kind of become your world in part because you have to care for them and because you love them so much and you want them to become your world. But I often see parents just where they, they lose their own identity and their identity is their kid, if that makes sense. Um, what, what do you say to somebody? Do you think that's a bad thing? And what do you say to a parent who's kind of taken that approach to parenting? I don't, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I want people to do what works for them and I want people to do what is in more importantly in line with who they actually see themselves. And this is this is like a part of the the probably the biggest part of this book is the section where you write down who you are as an as an ideal parent. Forget about what you've been doing or or how you've been acting even 10 minutes before, but if somebody put a, you know, a blanket over you and said, you can't see any reality. You don't know how you've been acting. You have no idea what your family life looks like. You know you have kids, but that's it. What, what are you doing? If, if I tell you you're the perfect parent, what does that look like to you? And I want people to understand that for themselves, knowing that they're never going to be that, but it's, it's a place to, to move to and a place to, to anchor yourself. So in any situation, you know, like, this is not who I am. And so um, when people have children and it sort of takes over their lives that could be a model for somebody that works and that, that that's their joy and it's fantastic i have no problem with that my only problem is when somebody is spending an inordinate amount of time and attention on their children at the expense of their own health and happiness i don't think it serves the child in that regard and i certainly don't think it serves the parent in that regard so i just want people to be in touch with who they are that's why this is not like you said like this is not a parenting book i'm not saying do this 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 and take your kid to soccer i'm saying getting Get in touch with who you are so that you can be more of that day to day. So like, do you have time? Like, can I just do a quick example? Sure. Yes. Okay. So for me, like I get home from the Stanford Inn and, and, and you know, some days are tougher than others and there's just, it's, it's, it's a job. So some days I walk in the door and I'm irritable because of something that happened at work and I'm kind of in that place where I'm just you know, pissed and whatever. And that's the time that I want to be with my kids. I want to walk. So the way I describe it is in my, what I call the first task where I wrote that, where I write that thing out in my first task, I walk in the door, not irritable in my first task. I walk in the door without thinking about, uh, work. I walk in the door present and I'm with my kids attentive and, and there, that's really who I am. That's what I value. And I want to be clear on that. Knowing that 
There's just some days that's just not going to happen. But I like to know that that's who I am so that then I can say, okay, over the last few days, I've been walking in irritable. What can I do to fix that? What can I do to get myself closer to who I really am? Because this is a conflict for me. I'm not digging the way that I'm walking in the door. So, and this is a true story. I mean, this is like, you know, last couple of years. So I've been doing some deep breathing on the way home instead of listening to the news. I stopped listening to the news years ago. I just listened to like music that I enjoy. Um, I try to be more productive at work so that I've, you know, haven't left as much undone. I've taken actual steps and I have seen actual improvement with me walking in the door. I know now that I walk in and I'm in a better place, not perfect, but I'm way better placed than before. And that's just one of many examples of just like having that knowledge and being able to know where you're moving to. Was it you said who, and I'm sorry if I missed this, I was kind of leaping through your book as you were talking there. (laughs) (laughs) So fun and accessible. I mean, you can't stop reading it. Um, <laughs> Even during the interview. I'm sorry, what was that, Sid? I was just reading your book. It's so fun. And the pictures are so fun. What were we right, talking listen, about? Uh, Sid, do you have any questions for it's us? Not to say that I was unprepared. I've, I've read the entire book before this, and I just, as I, I, this first time I've held the book in my hands and I was leaping through it. So it, it and oh, because I said, because to, and nice, by the way, yeah. did you, I'm, I'm sure you said in the, in the introduction, in the introduction, but Matt wrote the, the, the forward. I did. That's right. I wrote the forward. Yeah, I was going to ask Doug, but he, honestly, he doesn't have enough experience with kids. I mean, yeah. his, his child is already exhibiting some very, very odd behavior, so I, I did not trust. Concerning behavior? I, I do have a quote on the very first page. Yes, you do. There you go. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good job, Doug. Thanks. Thanks, Sid. So did you say, Sid, what you actually do to get yourself in the nice space with the when you get home to the kids? <laughs> yeah, he did. You did? Did you, yes. did you take some breaths and stuff like that? Yeah, and I list that out in the book. I mean, I okay. said here's what here's what I did, and I use myself as an example for two reasons. One, because I'm I am doing this myself. I'm not saying like you should do this and this and this. I'm doing this. Gotcha. And two, I want to be clear to everybody reading this because uh, I'm not a perfect parent. Never would say that I wa- that I was, but I but I do think that my method in terms of my own life has super in a huge way helped me as a parent, as a father, and also as a spouse. And so, and then again, like, because Lisa and I are married in the same house, that's only going to be a good thing in the way that we parent too. I mean, obviously you lower overall stress of the entire family dynamic. Things are going to be working better. I mean, it's just not that complicated of an equation. Uh, do you have to have that little counter thing that you have in your car that you use to count your deep breaths? Is that an important? You don't have to have that, but that's the Wim Hof. Matt, don't get me started. Oh, is that on a Wim, Wim Hof, Hof thing? thing? I didn't know that. I've been, si- I've been sitting in the river three or four days a week now. <laughs> Wait, so what does the counter have to do with Wim Hof? I thought you just counted your deep breaths on the way home or something. Yeah, I don't want to have to pay attention to the number. Like I'm usually I'm usually like doing the breathing and I'm listening to a podcast or something, so I don't want to have to be like, what number am I on? I just click it every time I do the, the breath, and then I look down and I'm at 30, and I do the hold, and I move on. Ah, okay. Yeah, it just makes it easier. I just It's like less maintenance. And what's sitting in the river? Is that a real thing? Are you actually sitting in a river? Yeah, it's a fifty-degree river. So I'm part of my part. No, it's figurative. I thought that's, I'm, I thought that's I'm, what you were saying. Like, the, like I'm sitting I drank in the cold Kool-Aid. river. <laughs> sitting in the river. In the river. That's a good one. Uh, we should use that. You're sitting in the river as a euphemism mm-hmm. for what? I don't know. Um, no, so you I, don't yeah, cover sitting in the river in the book, right? That, there's no mention of a river. No, I don't want to freak. Good. People I out. think it's good. You you had enough time, hard time with the grounding in my first book. I didn't want to do something that was I did have a hard time with that. on this one. I did, and the rebounding. We're getting a rebounder though, actually. Oh I'll tell you my, that, later. that is the best <laughs> news ever. You're I feel completely a... validated four years <laughs> later. That now you I don't have want to be bounder. I'm I don't gonna have, have it yet. I'm all... gonna get one. 
I'm giving you all sorts of crap on that one. Well, it's a kid toy more than anything else, but I'm sure I'll use it. <laughs> yeah, and Aaron too. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about the river so that thing? That was very, not- very clearly listed out. Like I said, here, here's, here's a personal thing because I wanted to explain sort of how to do that exercise. I mean, there's literally a couple pages in the book where you write this out. I mean, it is, it right. is that practical as much as it is about ideas. It's, it's about implementation too. And so I said, well, here's, here's an exactly a thing that was for me, and exactly what I've done to, to move in the right direction, and right being right for me. You know, not like obje- I'm not saying everybody has this kind of issue, but for me. Yes, I like that. And in many ways, you are a perfect parent because you do a really good job of getting your kids to, to, well, all I know is what they eat. They eat salads and that's, that's pretty good. They do, but they, you know, but like, so if, so, no, I don't know. So you're a perfect parent. And they, yeah, exactly. I'm a perfect parent because they eat salad, but they also don't always eat salad and they eat not a hundred percent healthy. And so the, I do explore the, the, the concept of perfection a lot in the book because there's sort of two ways to look at it. One is perfection means um, uh, you know, never making a mistake and th- those kinds of things. And I think when we think of that way, we are setting ourselves up for failure because I just, I don't think that's realistic in, in the modern world. Another way to look at perfection is if, if I'm a perfect parent, parent, it's because I am struggling in the right direction. I'm, I'm working to be as good of a father as I can. That to me is a more powerful example for my kids than me pretending to be some kind of robot that doesn't ever make a mistake. I want my children to know that I struggle and what I struggle with. And that goes for me as a parent, which I do communicate to them. Um, you know, I know you guys know that my daughter had that tough thing and that school and she didn't want me to, to, to move forward in dealing with it. And I said, look, this is hard for me because I know you don't want me to, but I am your father and this is, I have no choice here. I would be a horrible father if I were to, to, to shy away from this fight. And and so in, and didn't know what we were doing and it was uncomfortable and horrible, but I wanted her to see all that because I didn't want her to go like, oh yeah, he handled it, no problem. And, and sort of like have this false sense of how people manage things in the modern world. Yeah, I like that a lot. So I think uh, one of the things I have gotten from parenting books that, and applied and really used a lot uh, and, and found to be good so far is the idea that uh, what you just said, but but I guess the, the principle behind that is that it's so much better to instill in your kids a a uh, I don't know if a sense is the right word, but but a, the quality of perseverance uh, and the idea that when something doesn't come that naturally, or even when it does seem to come naturally, uh, the thing to focus on and take pride in is the fact that you are able to work at it and and you know fight for it and make it better, rather than instilling in your kids the idea that, oh, you're so smart, or oh, you're so beautiful, or oh, you're so talented and amazing at soccer. Uh, because there's not that much um, to be gained by, by having that understanding, because at some point that that belief will, will kind of come under question when someone is better than them at soccer or someone appears more beautiful. And <laughs> the, the ability for that person, for the kid then to, to have a strong foundation that says, okay, I, I see this little challenge here, and now I, I am you know able to change that situation by becoming more beautiful than that other person. <laughs> uh, better example would be, you know, get better at soccer. Whatever. But I just think that whole idea of not teaching your kids that you're the best, you're so naturally this, 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 and you should feel good about that. Uh, but rather, you're a really, you know, you're great at practicing, you're great at working hard, you have the ability to work hard and persevere. I think that's such a better lesson to teach your kids. And I have never really thought about embodying that. Uh, you know, I tell my kids that kind of stuff. But 
the whole theme of your book is, is that you should be an example rather than, you know, when it comes to health, when it comes to happiness, all these things, you should, you should embody the example of that. Um, and I think the example you just gave is, is perfect that you're talking about being the example of someone who is exhibiting that trait of fighting and persevering rather than, uh, just being someone who, who says I'm a perfect parent and, and just, you know, gives this appearance of being perfect, but, but not, uh, not the same as that being perfect in the sense of always struggling to make it better. Yeah, and I, I think the kids are smarter than we give them credit for. And I think if you're pretending and putting up a facade, just like in a marriage, if you're just like, yes, dear, you know, that kind of like agreeable thing all the time, I, there's an underlying thing there that, that exists. It doesn't go away. And if you can pretend really, really well that you've got everything handled, somehow it's going to come out in a way that it may be physically it's going to come out and that you're going to get sick or you're going to, you know, gain weight or something. It It doesn't. It doesn't go away because you you know fake it till you make it that kind of crap. It's 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 real, and I think the more um, overt we can be and the more transparent we can be with those things with our kids, I think the better they are, and I definitely think we, the better we are for it. Have you ever read a um, a woman uh, named Carol Dweck? Yes, Mindset, okay, I believe, so, is her book. Right, exactly, and so I, I she's one of the references in my book because that's exactly where. You know, that's exactly what I'm talking about, what you just said too, which is that I am saying what's if there's perfection, and so I'm sort of on the fence. I guess on one hand, I want to just chuck the concept of perfection out the window because I think it holds people back. But on the other hand, if there is a concept of perfection, it is in the work, it is in the struggle. It's not this kind of crazy Kardashian world that we live in where we have this idea that people can just make it big with no effort. They call it like pre achievement celebrity. That's like the thing now. And what I'm talking about isn't is so far beyond money and an end game, and it is about an experience day to day of life. And then, in this book, in the context of the family, how rich your family life is, how deep you relate to your children, how honest and transparent you are with your children. That that's it. But that's easier said than done. So I had to, I felt a responsibility in this book to say. That's all great, and, I, and I'm going to argue for that. But also, I'm going to say, here's how you get to the point where you can pull that off better because that's just the thing that sort of – like I've read so many of these books now that say, do this, this, and this, and the advice is great. It's the same thing for me as saying, eat this, this, and this. But I'm, I feel like in my position in what I – you know how I kind of come at this is good that you know that. Now – You've got to focus on a way to get to the point where you can pull that off long term because it's, again, yeah, eat blueberries, but do you know how to negotiate a life where you can do that day-to-day, eat healthy day-to-day to actually pull off actual health? That's a whole nother ball game. Okay, so we've given a lot of, uh, I guess, concepts and principles here, but let's let's get practical for a minute just because we gotta, we got to get some good sound bites here. Um, if, you, if, a parent, if someone's listening to this, and they are agreeing with what we're saying, and they say, "Yes, I need to be an example for my kid." And it could be in the in the in the form of the way they eat, uh, or the way they exercise, or the way they are content and happy with their life and their choices. Um, so they recognize that, but they kind of feel powerless to get started because the kid kids themselves take so much energy and time, and there's work and there's everything else. And just for someone to imagine changing themselves and, and getting themselves you know, on track with, say, exercise or food or whatever, uh, not even thinking about getting the kids to go that way too, which ultimately would be the, the I guess that's the hope, uh, that, that you, in being an example of health, whether that's physical or mental, uh, would, 
would eventually influence your children to do something like that. But where where does this person begin? If if because I I think overwhelm is a is a very very common emotion for parents. It was for me when I started, and it still is for me sometimes. Like where how do you take a step back and say, okay, here's what I'm doing first, just to kind of break the pattern and begin some sort of change. Right. So that that is to me first and foremost is to know where you want to go. And and by that I really what I'm really talking about is to know who you are deep down. And, and again, we are so we feel like we're defined by what we've been doing. You know, just like that whole um you know, if somebody I worked with a woman once, you know, who, you know, whose dad told her she was fat and ugly when she was a kid. I'm not a joke. And and that became sort of an identifying trait for her in her own mind. That's who she is. That's who I am. The the problem with that to me, among other, you know, huge amounts of problems with that whole model, but that 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 she actually sees that as who she is because but that didn't come from her. So now as an adult, she's working with me. Well, the reason she's working with me is because she doesn't want to be overweight anymore. This is just her. There's no this isn't like a shaming, crazy body shaming thing. I'm just saying she came to me because she didn't want to be overweight. I see that as not her trying to change into somebody new. I see that as her trying to become who she already is and has not been living that way. So as the as a parent to say, I'm not trying to be a new parent. I'm not trying to I have to go through this arduous task of trying to be transform myself. I'm saying let's get back to who you are already. And you may not have ever lived this way in some of in some fashions, but let's get back to who that is. The only way to do that is to first and foremost knew, know who that is. And oftentimes what we are doing day to day just gets us totally confused by that. And I'm saying to take moments and say, write down, if you were the ideal parent, what would that mean to you? Well, then that's, to me, a self identification. That is the true identification. That is who you are. And when you've got that on paper, I'm very clear in this book and in the way that I approach my practice and small steppers and everything to say, you don't have to change anything on day one. Not, not only that, you probably shouldn't change on everything on day one. I want you to know first, hang with that knowledge, be aware of it, good to know kind of thing. Then you can start negotiating your life and saying, oh, when I eat this way, I don't feel good about it. Um, that's not who I am. And you can kind of move through that process. Then when you're ready to actually implement change, you do it in a small steps fashion, which is as defined the way that I do it, is any size step that causes minimal stress. For some people, it's huge. It's a, it's If they're ready and like they literally don't want to eat another piece of junk food, then tomorrow they're changing their diet and they're totally okay with that. That's their small step because it's minimally stressful. If you keep in that sort of adaptive stress window, you'll keep at it, you'll grow and you'll evolve. Um, but if you add too much stress, you'll burn out. And if you don't add any stress at all, you stagnate. So there's that nice little window. That's where small steps lives. For each person's small step is, is, is different to based on what that is for them. Um, so if it's the food realm, it's, you know, I always joke about it. It's like maybe you add one stock of celery to whatever you eat for dinner. But but here's the thing. We talked about this a few minutes ago is I think that's an incredible example. I think that's a more powerful example than you faking and and battling through a salad that makes you miserable because you feel like you have to change overnight. And I think your child sees that. Instead, if you say, and you actually communicate this to your kid, like, you know what? I decided I want to take care of better care of myself because I want to feel better and have more energy and be able to spend time with you. And I'm just going to start with this celery and I'm just going to kind of learn how to do this. And it would be great if you could help me and we, we could do all that. We could all do this together. Start to, and, and we can still have treats, but it'd be fun to like eat really well and we can do cool stuff. I think that's such a better, more honest way to communicate with your kids than like eat this food and 
shut up, you know, that kind of thing. And that there's, you know, there's two sides to that whole thing. <laughs> Those are the only two options, by the way. But, well, that that is how I am teaching Eliza how to eat. Right. Eat food. I like, could tell. She's this. rebelling already. <laughs> yeah. um, I like that you defined uh, small steps because I happen to know that there's a handy-dandy glossary in the back of the book that, that defines terms like small steps and Mott and all those other Sidgard. That was my editor. She goes, you got to have a glossary in the back. I was like, a glossary? There's like three things. Like, <laughs> I, I think there was like, I think there's literally like four things in the glossary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's five things in the glossary. That's fine. I mean, she was, she was right, you know? Uh, yeah, because not everybody who picks this, hopefully not everybody who picks this book up will know who Sidgard's Hillman is yet. Right. Um, those listening to this podcast, of course, do and know that you are uh, vegan and that that is a big part of your platform is, is nutrition- uh, or health through plant-based nutrition. Uh, but you kind of had to be careful, I guess, with this book and to not, like you didn't want to make this a vegan book, right? Hopefully you'll meet, reach far more people than just vegan parents with this parenting book. I don't think that was the point at all. Um, so I do question your decision to put No Meat Athlete on the cover under my uh, name. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm just, I'm curious uh, for, for the people listening, like what, you know what what was your approach in because what you're doing here is is you're kind of you're showing one way to spread this message which is a way that you and i both tend to agree with um but it's interesting right you didn't i don't think anywhere in the book you say eating 100 percent plant-based is the only way to do it did you even say eating mostly plant-based is the way to do it no i mean at all and and, and there's some practical i mean this is really not a vegan book but my first book wasn't a vegan book i mean i didn't even right. mention what what i want is i don't i want to get past the labels and i and i understand why they're there um i want to talk about nutrition i want to talk about health i want to talk about happiness and i don't want to get bogged down by because you well, this is no news to hopefully any of your listeners but vegan doesn't mean healthy and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean healthy it can mean healthy so the question is how again can so i work with I've worked with clients for years. A large percent of them, a percentage of them are not vegan, plant-based. A large percent. Because I'm not trying to convert, when somebody works with me, I'm not going, okay, so let me just get you to vegan as fast as possible. I'm getting them to take control of their lives so they can start moving in a direction that is in line with their values. What that means is, first, they're getting clear on their values, and second, they're learning a, 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 what I think is an effective method of implementing that more and more over time. So as a result... Many of them are moving in the direction. Some go all the way. Some go pretty damn close. And they're doing that because they're very clear beyond food, just food. They're very clear of the lives they want to live. And maybe they are they fashion themselves as, as environmentally friendly and they start moving in that direction. And so they move and they start learning more things. And they go, oh, my gosh, I realize that animals and, and they now know how to implement change to remove animals because they realize the effect on the environment, whatever that is for them. That's, I'm not putting those words in their mouths. I'm getting them in touch with who they are and giving them tools. A client I just finished working with a few months ago, um, you know, came to me for food to learn how to eat better. But what I realized soon in working with her within a, a matter of weeks is there were things that she wasn't doing in her life and she was unhappy about that. And that was creating the situation where she was then not eating well because of out of stress and general unhappiness. So I said, let's just leave food where it is right now. <clears throat> she wasn't plant-based. I said, let's focus on the things that you, how you see yourself. One of those things was as a novelist. So we small stepped into writing a novel and by small step, I mean literally minutes a day. 
She likes fencing. She wasn't doing it anymore. So we small step back into fencing, not a lesson that she was doing before because it was too much and she wasn't feeling good. But we said, okay, we, we do like five lunges per day. That was, I think, literally how we started out. So all of a sudden this rolls. Within weeks, she said, you know, I got home and I didn't, this is actually her words and she's given me permission to talk about this. Um, she's testing my smallsteppers.com right now. So she's actually in the program after we, we worked together. So it was super cool. But she said, I got home and I didn't snack. She goes, I had other things on my mind. That, that was exactly what she said. So I didn't have to tell her, don't snack, it's bad for you, as if she didn't know that. Or don't eat that thing, it's not healthy, as if she didn't know. It was, how do you create a life where she doesn't even need that stuff as much? She got home and she had writing to do and she had lunges to do and she had other things on her list. And that created that situation that was incredibly amazing for her. Again, this book is about the parenting version of that, but it's essentially the same kind of concept. So I think that's that's actually kind of an interesting example because it just shows it just demonstrates one way in which food is connected to things you know that we don't typically associate with food at all. Um, but as you were answering that, it occurred to me that I, I was asking you about the diet thing and how you how you uh, you know navigated giving diet advice in this book without trying to make it an overtly vegan book. Um, but then as I was listening, I was like, well, you know, it's actually, it's maybe I should have addressed first, why is there nutrition stuff in a, in a parenting book anyway? Like that's, that's kind of a weird thing. That's not typical fair in a parenting book. I don't think so. You know, why, why did that deserve a place in here? Maybe that's obvious to someone listening or, or to us having this conversation, but, but you know, it's not entirely obvious in the context of all the other parenting books out there. Why is nutrition even here? Yeah, well, let me, and I forgot to finish the last part of this with this client, but she, four or five months later, she's gone completely plant-based. I haven't worked with her in four months, but she is now completely plant-based. She got there on her own. She, I think she wanted to go there already in the beginning, um, but again, that just didn't come from me. It was a natural progression to her, and when she did that change, she's totally okay with it. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't stressful. She's actually having a pretty comparatively easy time with it, but again, but there's struggle because she's now having to negotiate social engagements, you know, all the th all the things we deal with. Mm -hmm. The reason why it, it, the food, I'm a, I'm a nutritionist, so obviously, well, not obviously, I believe it is the most profound factor of happiness is fueling this body well. I don't think it's the only factor by a long shot, but I do think it's there. And I think it's often missing. So sometimes I've, you know, I had a parent one time come to me years ago whose child had severe ADD you know, couldn't pay attention in school and was just like all over the place. And she said, we've tried this and this and Ritalin and this and this, and now I want to try diet. In my mind, diet's the first place to go. That That's that's the machine. That is, let's get this thing rolling so that we can actually allow the body to be stronger and more able to deal with the world. That's why I love like the Wim Hof thing and, and, and sort of the direction that a lot of these, even like Brian McKenzie and, and, and I've just read a book called um, What Doesn't Kill You. And it's all this kind of we we're not tested anymore as as human beings. We're we're pretty soft in the way that we you know temperature control and we don't have to move our bodies and we it we don't have to really struggle that much. And so I think it it maybe it, it takes us having to intentionally put ourselves into struggle to to see what we can do and to be the people that we know we are. Well, I think that food has a huge role in that. It's how you fuel your body it makes you stronger. It makes you able to deal with stress better. And so if you're a parent, how is that not the most important thing in the world, right? And then obviously the practical issues of feeding your children well, because for, for pretty damn obvious reasons, I hope, but, you know, feeding, feeding your child well, making them healthy, preventing them from getting sick and having energy and all these kinds of things. 
Yeah, I don't think Sid, that this is what you were the point you were trying to make. But uh, I, so when you mentioned the thing about struggling and why we do that sort of thing, and we we intentionally put ourselves in these situations that are difficult because we don't have to do that anymore. So, but it seems that it kind of is a part of our nature, and we we crave that, and need that kind of thing. Maybe we don't crave it, but we need that kind of thing, uh, and we are often better for it when we do put ourselves through something struggle and hopefully overcome that. Uh, and that that is why, of course, anyone would do an ultra marathon or a marathon or almost any kind of running, right? Like it is it is just to sort of simulate some sort of struggle that that may be something we used to have to do, um, and now we put ourselves in that situation. But the the I don't think this was your point, but I think I have found that eating a plant based diet, and you mentioned some of the struggles and things that there are to deal with. I think those struggles themselves, to me, that is a that is a great reason to try uh, a diet that is you know not the standard one, uh, precisely because of you, it. It is a harder thing to do, right? It, it makes you make tougher decisions. Like when before, the entire menu was your your set of possible choices at a restaurant or at a at a when you're planning meals. Now you're constrained to only certain things, and it's just a, a I don't sort of a higher level decision. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to make a judgment there and say a better decision than someone who, who you know, chooses from the whole menu. But I just think, I think putting yourself in those and like imposing some constraints instead of having yourself do that little bit of struggle, like that is one of the um, things that I would say. I wouldn't say I've enjoyed that about being plant based, but just it, it has been one of the big benefits for me. It has been having to, uh, you know, just just make just be in that in that harder situation. I think it's, I mean, that's an excellent point. I, I just talked about it at the event when I did the talk because. When you make a decision to, let's say, eat better, you are putting a constraint. And if you stop there, then somebody will go, I don't want to do that. That's restrictive. But what you're, what you're saying, and, and, and I can't agree more because it's how I look at it, when you're all of a sudden making a decision about something that you weren't making a decision about before, you weren't choose, you were, you were going by feel. You would look at the menu and go, what do I feel like? Now when you put a conscious constraint to say like, you know what? I'm going to not eat animal products because of these reasons. And you, and you, and that's who you are. And you realize that's my value. Like, I don't, I don't want to, that's not my bag. I'm not going to deal with that stuff anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. Now, all of a sudden you are having to attend to something that you didn't before. You are having to look at a menu in a different way. Look at, I was, the example I used was the baked goods thing at Starbucks. Like I look at the butter croissants and I go, those look pretty darn good, but I don't really grapple. Like I know kind of where I stand on that. And I know how I would feel if I, if I ate it, it's just not my bag. So I don't, I'm not really like worried about it. And I actually, like it better it's putting me in less of a hassle because i don't feel crappy and guilty and shame after eating it um i know where i stand and i am have learned over time to live in line with that and so it is that kind of and it's exactly what you said of the ultra marathon i mean i think that really is at the end of the day when we put ourselves in these little you know tests when we do put constraints on ourselves not for the purpose of restriction but the purpose of living a deeper healthier happier life the payoff's huge, but again, it's wrapped up in struggle that it, you, you cannot divorce those two. You cannot have this deeper existence and this, you know, you know, good, deep marriage with, with good, strong communication and a really vibrant family life without work. You can't do it. Doug and I talked about that a lot when Doug was on my podcast, the, the, the amount of, you know, the work that it takes and, and having to sort of as a, you know, cause we were talking about you guys, you know, owning your own businesses and being your own bosses, you have to on purpose put constraints and, and schedules and, and to do these things because that's what it takes. You can't do it without it. You can't just go, I'll do a YouTube video when I feel like it because usually you're not going to do it. And that's most people don't ever get around doing that stuff. But how sweet is it when you go to a restaurant and you can order anything off the entire menu? 
But all the better, right? When it's a treat, you know, like you go to like I went to, I was in Los Angeles, so we went to you know Real Food Daily, and you, you get to have that experience. But I li- I like that I don't have that experience all the time. It's weird, but I like that I don't. I like that I'm kind of a more uh, aware in most moments where I'm kind of like, yeah, this is I'm I'm living in line here, you know. Mm. Yep, it is weird. The first time you go to a vegan restaurant, the first time I went to vegan restaurants after being vegan, it was just such a strange. It was an overwhelming thing to have all those choices in the menu when I was used to having two things to eat, one of which was a salad. <laughs> oh yeah people at ravens um they come and sometimes they haven't had you know they haven't been they've been they live in some town where there's no 100 percent uh, plant-based restaurant so then they they read about the inn and they come to the inn and they they and they're there for like one night and it they're they're actually stressed like they don't know what to order because they're only there for one night they're leaving the next day i don't know what to do <laughs> you know and it's like i know i'm sorry but you know like i can't whatever and they always end up ordering like a bunch of different stuff because they you know it's the one time they have yeah all right raising healthy parents oh we should add this is not a book for for caring for elderly parents right that is that is yeah, a concern that, so that so the subtitle is i should have made the subtitle the big you know it's fine raising healthy parents small steps less stress and a thriving family i mean this is the idea is that it's just about the parents but i mean you could get it and and it would help you take care of your parents i guess <laughs> <laughs> okay. i don't know okay, that's not the point anybody who's listening to this interview obviously knows that's not the point but uh but yeah that is that is an important thing to know um yeah, I think this is cool. I think I think this conversation is indicative of the content of the book. It is it is nothing like a typical parenting book. It is a it is a healthy you kind of book, um, just kind of told in the in the context of parenting. And I think that is uh, needed and wonderful. And I found it quite enjoyable to read. And I'm going to make sure that my wife Erin reads it as well because it, it it was good. And that's exactly what I did with the first book. Said I, I give your books out to people because I like them so much. Well, thanks. Yeah, and it's and again, I I thanked you when we did that little promo thing, but for writing that forward and Doug for for Blurbin, you guys are always so supportive of of what I do, and so we'll see. I mean, it just just came out two days ago, and uh, actually today is technically the publish date. Um, it, I, I noticed that it was shipping a couple days early. So, um, and unlike unlike No Meat Athlete Cookbook, uh, there's plenty of copies, uh, and so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so if you order, you'll actually get the book. That's are the you, only difference so you're between doing, my book and your book. You're doing uh, even though the, the official release date I guess is now. We thought it would be a week later, but you uh, pe- can people still get the pre order bonus thing they, for you? You know what? Let's do it because because it did ship early. So I think people and I got on it late, and I don't think that was fair. So um, if anybody orders it when they listen to this podcast, I don't know if you want to put a date on it or whatever, and sent and emails podcast at sidgarzahillman dot com, the um, proof of purchase. Matt and I did a very cool video thing that's thirty minutes. It was a promo um, bonus for people who ordered it. So why don't we just extend that for like the first week, maybe by the end of September, you know, uh, if you order by the end of September, I'll send you a, a, the link and the password to, to it. Cause that was a really good conversation too. And where, where did you say the email, the, that receipt or whatever? Uh, podcast mm-hmm. at sidgarzahillman.com. Good. Cool. All right. Um, while we got you, Sid, anything, anything else to add? We haven't, we haven't been quite as goofy as we sometimes are. I know. Um, you don't want to talk about showering Showering's or me, si- me sitting in the, quote, river, end quote. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I want to whatever. hear about the river. What, what's the river deal? Well, I, so I do cold therapy. I've done cold therapy every day. I have not literally not missed a day since I did the program, which was last started last July. So now I'm into September of the following year, and I have not missed a day of the breathing and the, and the cold therapy. And cold um, therapy but, is? Um, 
for me right now, it's 10 minutes in a super cold shower. And I live north, so it is cold. Or sitting in the river for 10 or 20 minutes or whatever whatever that is. But it, And sometimes it's an ice bath. Sometimes I buy ice and pour it in my bathtub and with water and I sit in there for... Last time I did it was 11 minutes. You know, just mm. over time, I've been able to do more and more. But um, so some something like that. And then... Um, but I was just doing the showers and all of a sudden I, and I run along this river, the big river, you guys, Doug, you've seen it. And so have you, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one day I was like, I wonder what that, cause the river's always been super cold. I've never actually, I had never actually been in it until about three months ago. And I've been living here for 11 years because I'd walk my feet in it. It's freaking cold. So all of a sudden after a run one day, I was like, I wonder now that I've been doing this, if I can actually get in here. And I did, and it felt incredible. And so I've been doing that about half of, the, of every week. I'm maybe not quite half, but two or three times of the week I'm getting in the river and then, and then I just change and go to work, which is because it's right next to Stanford Inn. So that's been pretty great. Yeah. I would say that is approaching the natural. <laughs> Heck yeah. I mean, it feels way better than a shower totally. And it's, and it is great. And it's, it is cold, um, colder than the shower it turns out because it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's your, your whole body is immersed all at once. Whereas a shower, you know, you're getting hit at certain mm, places. Ooh, and so right. it's, it's, you're up to your neck and I'm actually underwater too sometimes. And very quickly, why are you doing this? Like wh- why, why do you want to train yourself to be able to handle the cold? Are you going to go run a marathon in Antarctica or something? No, uh, maybe. I don't know. No, I'm not. Um, no, it, it's the same thing. To me, I look at it as the same thing like you were talking about with as an ultra marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is it, the, the very real studied effects of cold therapy on the body, just much like uh, actually like heat therapy too. But putting your body into these things, there are very real, very well studied effects. I think I sent Doug the... I think I sent that to you, Doug, at one point. We should talk about it another time. But, but um, Rhonda Patrick put a really good... Uh, paper together of all these different kinds of studies and the effects of cold therapy on the immune system and endurance even and, and weight loss and all this kind of cool stuff and i've been seeing all those things because i've been again doing it long enough and it's been pretty gr- pretty great my fitness level has stayed very true and i'm running a lot less but um mm-hmm. I, i'm in in great shape have so, your have your kids tried to do any of this as well they they actually they actually do. I'm not even kidding. So my kids and I never ask them to, but they go, "We want to try it," and they like it. My son especially, he'll get in and he takes a shower, and then at the very end he'll turn it to cold, and he just does that breathing for like 30, 40 seconds, and he and then he gets out, and he loves it. He does it every time. But if I've done when I do like ice baths, they they always get in. They want to get in for like, <laughs> 30, like 10, 15 seconds, and then they get out, and they just love it. So yeah, it's not. It's, I'm not like you have to do that before you do your homework or anything. You know, it's just what it is. <laughs> So there are all kinds of benefits. Must must get in the cold bath. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a good. Children, come back! It's time for your cold bath (laughs) with daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um. Okay, so there are lots of benefits to this. It's not just it's not just to challenge yourself. It is it is because there are actual benefits to to this cold thing. But the the challenge is a is a as we mentioned a nice side effect. That too. Yeah. I mean, it's a very mental thing. Um, it's a very, I mean, I've stood in the snow, like it's a, it, it's, it's the whole process, like, like those dark times in during the ultra marathon where you, you know, people go, yeah, it's going to be hard. But when you're actually in it, you realize, whoa, I really want to quit right now. It's those moments where, you know, I'm getting into the river where I'm, I, it's dread mm-hmm. and yet it's always fine. And it, I always feel glad that I did it, you know? And so just over time, I think those little moments are, are helpful in, in the real world. Got it. Well, I'm glad we can add this to your list of uh, idiosyncratic odd behaviors. 
I know, but wait till, you know, we, we have a global meltdown. There's no electricity and people are going to start getting cold and who's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that got even weirder. Wait, Sid's a survivalist. I didn't know that that's a whole nother thing. Good. All right, Sid. Well, uh, I guess we should wrap it up. This has been fun okay. as always. And, yeah. uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to taking the next step with our little hangout session we're going to do for. Yeah. I'm tried super members. excited. I'm, I'm sure. Can you actually drink beer, or was that was that like a figurative? I think I think we'll probably crack a couple beers during it. You don't Is that true? you don't have to, but but no. Uh, but I thought because you said like it's kind of, like you used that, and it wasn't sure if it was an actual example because that would be kind of fun. I mean, I think for our for our podcast people, we can do that. I think I think okay. we, I think our crowd is is a cool enough crowd that it's sort of what we do. I wouldn't I don't typically do that on like our normal Q and A sessions because I don't no want, no. I just feel like the health simple. message. Yeah, just and I mean. Boring. <laughs> But I mean, we could, right? We talk about that. Like, it actually would be a good example of what we teach, which is that you don't need to be 100%, you know, teetotaler and never never do anything that tastes good and feels good. Um, but we don't because it's just, we'd probably send the wrong yeah, message. Yeah, it, it probably, but I think you're totally right. Yeah, that is the message. Like, we do, but I can see how people maybe wouldn't want to do it ever. But right, exactly. to say you shouldn't ever is, you know, then you're getting into militancy. And I think we right. all don't stand for that. But anyway, with these hangouts, they're they're going to be more more fun, less formal, uh, less less just rapid fire Q and A, and more kind of goofing around like a typical Sid Garza Hillman podcast appearances. Yes, well, I would be I would, I'm happy to to join in. That would be that sounds really fun. Good. All right. Uh, last thing, Sid, where can people get the book once they are going to forward you their receipt? Where would they get said receipt? What what type of uh, outlets, booksellers? Oh. And before I tell you that, is Doug, did Doug just leave? Is he gone? Because <laughs> no. I haven't heard no, of him in like 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you okay there, Doug? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm you're here. Still with, okay, good. Just, he's just, just he's still nap. tired from, from Eliza. He just dozes off. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so um, so you can get the book anywhere, stores and otherwise. Um, obviously, the normal Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, but then actual bookstores. And I know that it phys- the physical books did ship because my publisher said that they did. And so they're probably actually on shelves. So mm-hmm. however you want to... Send me, uh, you know, a, a phone shot of your receipt, or forward me the Amazon thing. It doesn't matter, and and, uh, and just send it however you want to podcast at sidgarzahillman.com. Otherwise, all info is at sidgarzahillman.com. Small, I will mention smallsteppers.com is up and rolling and doing really well. So that sort of teaches people my my system in a twelve week program, and so that's been rolling with you know, weekly videos and daily emails and all that kind of cool stuff, live Q and A's and all sorts of cool stuff. A lot like health made simple, just in the non food realm. Right. Good. Awesome. Well, Sid, uh, we, we are fans of your work. I am extremely appreciative of it and thankful for it. Uh, I think, I think the message that you send and the work that you do is very, very important, much needed breath of breath of fresh air. Uh, and, and we share a lot of the same philosophy. So always, always good to have you on and joke around and, uh, that's it. Glad to call you yeah, a friend well, of the thanks. podcast. Thanks. And, and back at you with you guys and you guys, I, I, anything I can do to obviously support you guys. Cause I love you guys. And, and I was thinking the other day, cause I, when I saw you in North Carolina, it, it is a bummer that we couldn't live farther apart. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was so fun to be with you guys and see your family, your amazing families. And just, just even though for that very short time, but it was really, really fun. And I hope to do it again soon. All right. Take care, Sid. Thanks. All right, you guys. Thanks. All right. Bye.